Hi guys, welcome back to the Talks Too Much podcast. I'm Emily and Carla is not here today because she is laying on the beach in Florida with her husband. Uh, Her birthday was last week and her husband's is coming up so they went on a trip to celebrate and I'm so happy for them and quite jealous. So you just have me today but I am actually, I'm really excited about this episode because it is 10 things that I have learned either hacks or more like mindset things I've learned in my two full years of motherhood, but they're things that I wish I had known as I started out on this journey. And uh, I'm hoping they can give you some inspiration, some practical advice, and maybe make your life a little bit easier or better. So let's dive in. The first thing that I wish I had done before having a baby that I actually recommend this for anyone. It's not just for moms. Life is busy and eating well is really hard. Like thinking about what you're going to make, doing the shopping, putting meals together, cleaning up, like all of it. It is like a shocking amount of work. I think we can all agree on that. Um, And one thing that my grandmother mentioned a long time ago that when she and her husband were both working full time, she said she created a list of five go-to quick and easy recipes. And I wish I had worked harder to like come up with my list and make sure that I knew how to make them really quickly and have them memorized and um, knew exactly what we needed before I had John John. Um, But now I do have it dialed in and it is so helpful. When we had Ford earlier this summer, I had stockpiled some stuff in the freezer that I had made doubles of, which I also highly recommend anytime you're making something that would freeze well, which most things freeze well, um, make double and freeze it. But I had really dialed in our five recipes that are delicious, easy, pretty nutritious and are things that I can pretty much put all the stuff on my shopping list without even thinking about it. And then we have five days of meals. Um, our, the five things right now that are on my quick and easy list are spaghetti and meatballs with a store-bought jar of sauce, um, some sort of Mexican like tacos or enchiladas, or even the other night, I just kind of threw a bunch of Mexican-y things together um, into like a salad. I did cooked frozen corn and black beans, put those in the pan with some really good, just, I mean, really good, but like random cumin, chili powder, all those sort of like Mexican-y spices. And then I added chopped red onion and some chopped up peppers and some arugula that we had and some random feta cheese and just kind of made this like sort of warm salad type thing. And then we had it over rice and it was delicious. I feel like any combination of those kind of ingredients, like salsa, avocado, jalapeno, like you can, you can make a million different things out of that. So some sort of Mexican, um, salmon bowls are a huge favorite around here and they're really easy to make. I just buy salmon, cook rice, um, and then roast the salmon in the oven, which is really quick. And then you can put like sliced up cucumbers, soy sauce, rice vinegar. Um, what else do we put on it? Like sesame seeds, just sort of an Asian bowl. (laughs) Um, 
homemade pizzas using store-bought dough. Wegmans has amazing dough. You can get like two sort of smaller size pizzas out of one ball of dough. So sometimes I'll make one with like more stuff that Pat and I like on it um, and maybe like spicier and then make one that's cheese for John John. But literally just store-bought dough, some pizza sauce, some cheese, and like some pepperoni. There you go. Bada bing, bada boom. Also, I often will, um, if we're not getting produce like through our CSA or something, just buy a few bagged salads, like a Caesar, a, a ranch, or like a, a few different ones. And then you just pair it with whichever meal you're having that night. And there you go. You had a vegetable. Also, turns out you don't have to have a vegetable with every meal. I thought that was like, a mortal sin, but apparently it's actually okay. No one comes to your house and arrests you if you don't have a vegetable with dinner every night. So just want to let you know that in case um, your mom also made you think that <laughs> it was horrible to not have vegetables. Um, and then the fifth quick and easy thing that we made, um, especially a lot over the summer when Ford was tiny, <laughs> this is kind of like a toddler meal, but it's delicious, is buffalo chicken wraps where I would just get tortillas, um, chicken nuggets. There's a really good kind from Costco. They've gotten really expensive, but they taste like Chick-fil-A chicken nuggets. But really, you can use any chicken nuggets. And then you can get a um, like a head of romaine lettuce or use some greens out of one of those bag salads, put a little bit of ranch and hot sauce on top, and maybe some like cheddar cheese, wrap it up. There you go. Buffalo chicken wraps, delicious filling and um, really great if you have a toddler because he'll eat most of those components. Um, okay. My next tip after the five quick and easy recipes is to, you guys are not going to be shocked, build a capsule wardrobe. <laughs> so if you listen to last week's episode, you know, I'm in the process of finding my personal style and it's proven harder than expected. But if you go back and listen to that episode, we talk about how to find your personal style and define it and sort of the process that um, a girl on TikTok, Alison Bornstein, has made popular. Carla walked me through it in the episode and helped me figure out that my words are colorful, classic, and tailored. And guys, I have to tell you, since we did that episode and I figured that out, I've bought a few things and I am so happy with them because I have so much clarity on like what works for me and what I think I will like, but doesn't end up working for me. Um, you'll have to listen to the episode, but I've got a few new things and I feel like I'm really filling in the gaps of my wardrobe from the past few years of just wearing maternity and postpartum clothes. So that's another thing because we all know, like, if you are wearing something you feel good in, you are that much more likely to have a good day. And if you are wearing something that you feel terrible in and you feel like a slob, you feel like a mess, it's not going to make your day any better. Obviously, there are times where you're completely in survival mode and, like, you haven't taken a shower in a few days and you just throw on whatever you can find. And that's also perfectly fine. But I have found that having a small wardrobe of things that I love 
really makes getting dressed and feeling good that much easier because I don't even have that many options to think through, you know? The third thing that I've learned is that sunshine, fresh air, water, and or a snack can cure most problems. <laughs> if everyone is crabby, everyone is cranky, going outside, getting some fresh air, even if you've hardly gotten any sleep, it makes a world of difference. So whenever things feel like they're just kind of falling apart around here, I'm like, okay, let's put on our jackets. We're going outside. And even if it's only for 10 or 15 minutes, it really, I, I swear everyone comes back inside with a better attitude. Same goes for me having a glass of water. Like so many times I've been like, I'm just exhausted. And then I have a glass of water and I'm like, mm, I think I was also very dehydrated <laughs> and that was not helping. Um, so yeah, water, especially adding something like a electrolyte powder can make a huge difference in feeling better. And the same thing with just having a snack, like everyone's hungry, just have a snack. Even if it's a handful of M&Ms, I swear sometimes it makes such a huge difference. Uh, okay. So the next one is this idea of only touching things once. And I will say guys, these are things, all of these things that I'm sharing with you, I am in no way an expert in or do well. They're things that I know and I strive to do and I try to keep front of mind to make my life easier, but I by no means have it all nailed and figured out. Um, this is especially one of those things, which is, I learned it where, um, at this, this place I worked in high school, this, uh, local orchard. And on my first day, they had me unpacking this crate of apples and I had to get, put them into other boxes. And I was unpacking them straight onto the table and then going through and filling up the other boxes. And the woman in charge came over and said, stop, stop doing it like this. She was very nice about it, but she was also like kind of harsh. She was like, stop doing it like this. Only touch them once. Like if you're going to get it out of this box, put it directly into the other box and save that time. And so that's something that has stuck with me in so many areas of life. Like I really try not to, unless I'm going to, unless I have the time to answer a text message, I don't open it. And if I take off dirty clothes, instead of tossing them on the floor, like near the closet, I open the actual closet door and put them in the hamper, or at least I try to most of the time. Um, another thing that this requires emptying the dishwasher, but being able to finish using dishes and put them directly into the dishwasher, it just like makes this little difference in keeping things a little tidier and a little bit more um, streamlined. Like same thing with emails. Like I really try not to even open my email unless I know I'm going to have some time to respond. And yeah, just that idea of like, just touch it once because I find that you get so interrupted a million times a day. You're so distracted when you have a baby or little kids running around that if I open an email and don't answer it, because I've done this so many times before when I first had John John, I'd open something and go to answer it. And then he would wake up and start crying. And then I would literally three weeks later realize I never actually answered that email. So that's something that I've learned. Um, oh, another thing with household chores, I think this is number five. I'm not sure what we're on. Number five, we'll call it splitting up chores with your partner to the point where 
they have total ownership over some things and you have total ownership over some things is so helpful. I think Carl and I touched on this in a different episode, but being able to know like in our house, I don't even think about the trash and recycling. I don't even know what day they come because Pat just owns it. And it is so nice to have that like that's a small example, but like the mental burden, same thing. Like he does everything for our dog coach. It's so nice that I don't even have to worry about that. And then obviously I handle other things. And I've just noticed that when you are both kind of owning it, there ends up being a lot of having to be like, Oh, have you done it? Were you waiting for me to do it? What part have you done of it? What else? Like, do you need me to step in? Um, and it just makes it, it just makes it harder. And I feel like when it's the end of the day and there's stuff to be done, like you're trying to get the kids to bed or whatever, it can be really uh, ineffective <laughs> to both be trying to do multiple things because neither person own fully owns one thing or the other. I think Ford's waking up, but he might fall back asleep. So I'm going to keep recording. <laughs> Um, this even plays out like now after dinner, Pat gives the boys a bath. And at this point with Ford being almost five months old, he's, he's not like the teeny, teeny, tiny baby. So Pat could actually, he can get both of them into the bath, give them a fun bath for like however long they want, 20 minutes, whatever, um, depending on how late it is. And then he even in the last few days has been able to like get them both out, get them both dried off. And then when I hear them getting out of the bath, I go help and get Ford. Like I basically take Ford and he takes John, John, and we do diapers and jammies and books and all that kind of stuff. But it's been so awesome because when he goes to get them into the bath, like I know he's got it and I handle cleaning up the kitchen. And there's just like this division of labor that makes things feel a little simpler, you know? All right. <laughs> I had to jump up. Ford woke up from his nap. He normally sleeps longer and he just slept for like 20 minutes. So he's here with me. If you hear him in the background, that's, that's who's joined that. That's my guest star today. Mr. Ford Belson. Okay. Moving on. Um, number six is I have learned the micro moments matter. And when you're in the depths of newborn life or multiple small children, and it just feels like you have a really hard time finding any time for yourself and almost feeling defeated of like, it's not even worth trying to do something because you know, you're going to get interrupted or, you know, you're just not going to have the time to do it well, or like to the level that you used to do it. That's not a good reason to not go ahead and do the thing. Like, Wiping down the bathroom countertop, even though you don't have time to clean the whole bathroom, that still counts. That's still great. That still made your house a little bit cleaner and made it a little bit of like a better environment. I know that's sort of a weird example, but anything with cleaning, finding two minutes when, you know, one baby sleeping and the other one is playing quietly, like, you know, it's not going to maybe last long okay, this is clearly a situation in my own life right now. It might not last long, but taking those two minutes or however long it lasts to like close my eyes and take a few deep breaths, like that's still a little micro meditation. And I'm going to come out of that 
you know, 2% more calm and patient than I was before. So it's still worth it. Um, I feel like that also goes for exercise, like doing 10 push-ups and 10 sit-ups and 10 squats. (laughs) That is still so much better than doing nothing, even though you don't have 30 minutes or an hour to totally do a full workout or what you used to do. And then the other thing, the other example that comes to mind with this is also making the effort to go outside or leave the house. Like it's annoying to get John John's shoes on and get his coat on and get him like all ready to go out and get my shoes on and get the baby carrier. It's annoying. It's a lot of work. But like I mentioned earlier, it always makes a big difference in everyone's moods. And the same thing goes for actually leaving the house, like getting everyone packed up in their car seat, making sure the diaper bag is packed, which I'm terrible at, and actually leaving the house to go do stuff. It's so much work, but it's always, almost always feels like it was really worth it. So I just, even if you only have what I consider like a micro moment, which just is like literally one breath, one minute, a few minutes it's still worth doing what you can in that amount of time because all of those things compound. Um, Okay, moving on. One, the one thing that I think is the most important in all of these things I've learned is you have to find your village. And I know everyone says that, but like, seriously, if you are having a baby or if you already have a baby or you already have multiple kids. If you don't have two people you can text to talk about what you're going through, I challenge you to find those people and cultivate those relationships because none of the rest of this matters if you feel isolated and lonely and like you just don't, you don't even know if you're doing a good job. You don't know when you're struggling, where to turn, like the value of having people that love you and you trust is, it's literally priceless. My two good friends that I um, have a little cookbook club with, we had started hanging out once a month and doing our little cookbook club, um, like, maybe a year before I had John John. And in that same year, they both also got pregnant and had babies. And there, I just, I can't even explain how fortunate I feel to have had them, especially in that first year with John John, when I was really struggling and I was telling people I was struggling, but there was something different about having these two friends that were going through pretty much the exact same stages of having a little baby as I was and being able to talk to them and be truthful about what I was dealing with and them being able to, of course, be supportive, but also call me out and say, Emily, you're struggling more than, more than the, like the hard you're talking about is, a lot more than the hard that we're talking about of like, Oh, this is a lot to manage. Oh, this is tiring. Oh, this is like logistically difficult. Like you're talking about something deeper than that. 
and you really need to like address that. Like, I don't know what I would have done if I didn't have them. There's something about people that have kids the same age because you're going through the same kind of stages. It gives you people to, I don't want to, I feel like the right word is compare. It's almost you you're comparing in like a good way. It reminds you that when you're suffering, you're not suffering alone. Everyone is going through these hard things, but also it's equally valuable to know, like maybe the way you're suffering, you are suffering alone. And that's something to really pay attention to and take seriously. Um, so if you don't have a couple friends that you feel comfortable texting or calling any time of day or night, I really, I really challenge you to cultivate those relationships. Reach out to that girl you went to high school with. Oh, hi, Ford. That girl you went to high school with who you know is pregnant too. And just start a relationship. Um, just DM her on Instagram and then maybe get her number. Maybe meet up with someone for coffee. Like relationships don't just happen. They take active work. We did a whole episode on hosting and developing deeper relationships with people by like welcoming, welcoming them into your home. And I just, it's so true that your relationships aren't going to get better by just sitting back. And especially in a stage of life where you really, really, at least I have all the moms I know are really leaning on each other. It is so worth the effort to make those friends be there for them, create a relationship where you are close. And like I say, it can be really honest and vulnerable. And I just, it just makes it so much better. <laughs> um, that's my TED talk on friendship. Okay. Number eight. Okay. This is a good one that I have learned. So I think we all are kind of bamboozled by this idea that there's a course or a book to fix any issue. And I find myself, I think there's so much to be learned. And I also think that like being a mom from your own intuition and having confidence in how you choose to handle things is super important. And part of me kind of feels like the confidence, you can't have the confidence until you've done it once. That's why everyone talks about the second baby being easier often even if they're challenging in a lot of ways, you have the confidence that you've already done it once. And so I don't know how you get around that with the first one when you haven't done it and you are looking for information, but I will just say that I have found the books and courses and things the internet wants to tell you about how to handle your baby gives a very false sense of security and control. <laughs> like, Nothing has made me face myself more than being a mom. And that includes wanting to be able to control something, wanting to be able to do the right steps and know what the outcome is going to be. Like no one loves uncertainty. Uncertainty is hard in any situation, but especially when you have the responsibility of taking care of this tiny, perfect person and you really feel like you don't know what you're doing. You turn to these quote unquote experts, which 
like I say, I think it's helpful to have sort of a, an idea of what you're dealing with. Like what is newborn sleep like? How often should they be going down for a nap? Like that's helpful to know, but when it turns into kind of this shame thing of like, well, they're not sleeping through the night and they're five. Yes. And they're five months old, not talking about anyone in particular. It can feel like, well, clearly I messed something up. I should have done something different. There's, there must be something I can do to fix this. And I just don't think that's always the case. Like you can't, you can't just force them to sleep. You can't force a toddler to eat what they really don't want to eat. Like I have never met a more strong-willed person than John John Belson. And even when I'm doing all the things quote unquote, right, it doesn't, it doesn't mean it's going to work and letting go of the idea that like, no matter what, there's a solution or there's some way for me to fix this or do it better is so freeing. And sort of the idea that goes along with that is that you just have to have faith and trust and give things time, which can be so hard. But I think that's also the confidence of after you have one, you realize that, okay, I definitely like there were phases where I thought I'd completely messed it up. Like he's never going to sleep through the night again. He's never going to this. He's never going to that. And then you realize that they're actually super adaptable. Like babies and little kids, like one, a missed nap, a super late bedtime, a day where basically all they ate was oatmeal. Like none of these things are going to kill them and none of them are like irreversible So it just takes so much stress off to think that like, yep, right now he's still not sleeping through the night. And I've tried the things that I know to do with like some basic knowledge of what they say works and it's not really working. So I'm just going to have to give it time and have faith that eventually he will sleep through the night on his own. And like right now I just have to be adaptable and and just go with it, you know, except that this is how it is right now. And knowing that I have to make some adjustments in my life otherwise, because I'm exhausted, (laughs) but this isn't, this isn't because I'm a terrible mom or he's like a horrible baby. This is just, it's just part of it. Um, I hope that made sense. I feel like I'm kind of I don't know if I'm explaining these things well. I hope a little bit of it is making sense. Okay. So, oh, also going along with that idea of just giving things time and realizing that it is all a phase, even if it's been a real, even if it's been a long phase, um, you have full permission to live in survival mode and phone it in. Like, if it is 7.30 a.m. and you're like, I I do not know what to do at this point except like turn a movie on, that's okay. One day of watching a few, even hours or whatever of screen time, of only eating Pop-Tarts, of whatever it is, whatever the thing is that you're like, oh, I really, I really don't want him to have too much screen time. I really want him to eat fruits and vegetables. I really like... Sometimes that's just not 
reasonable and that is perfectly okay. I feel like that's one of the secrets of parenthood is sometimes you just have to phone it in and that's all right. That's for your own, um, for your own sanity and it's not going to ruin your children. (laughs) Okay guys. So the last one, I don't even know what number we're on at this point. The last one that I wanted to share with you that I have learned and is something that I try to keep front of mind all the time, top of mind, front of mind, I don't know, is that it's sort of a two-parter. It's that you can only have so many priorities at one time and that your feelings really matter. And these go together because only having so many priorities the things that we need as the parent can so quickly go by the wayside when you're taking care of small people that need so much from you. They need so much physically, emotionally, mentally. Like I joke that this is the hardest job I've ever done for the least pay (laughs) because it is. It's 24-7 that you are giving so much of yourself and it is so easy to let what is important to you and what makes you feel good or even just feel like a normal, semi-normal human go by the wayside. So even I just, I am someone who often has a lot of ideas and a lot of things that I want to do that I'm excited about that make me feel really happy and like I'm, I'm doing something like fulfilling and There's just so much on my mind. I have so many ideas and I want to do a good job at everything. And I'm just constantly reminding myself that I can only have so many priorities because I also want to be a present parent and I want to be the best version of myself as I, as is possible at this point. And that means doing things like sometimes having to choose when I miraculously get them both down for a nap at the same time that I take a nap too, instead of working on that photo session that I'm so excited to edit or instead of, you know, going out in the evening, knowing that really what's going to make my life and make me feel better is getting to bed early. Sometimes the choice is to go out and, but just knowing that that's going to have some repercussions, you know, I mean, right now I don't even go out with Ford, so it's not really like there's ever a break, but, um, and also another area this comes into, which actually ties back to the first thing I shared is eating healthy ish, at least personally makes me feel a lot better. But as we all know, eating healthy takes a lot more time and energy than getting takeout. So realizing that there's only 24 hours in the day, there are only so many things I can accomplish helps me just keep a more realistic mindset about what, what matters the most and what is going to make the biggest difference for me and for my whole family. And knowing that trying to do a thousand things in a day, like I can do that. I can definitely do that, but it's probably not going to make me feel my best and make our life move smoothly. Um, I'm definitely not a super routine, discipline kind of person, but I have found 
that making the hard decisions as a mom now um, has made me appreciate that <laughs> kind of lifestyle. I have friends who are extremely disciplined and routine, and I feel like they already know this, but it's something that I've had to learn because I love taking on more than I can reasonably handle. It's just part of who I am, apparently. Um, and yeah, so with that, your feelings, your feelings matter. And even if you're not, you know, choosing between doing something fun for you and taking a nap, there are times where you have to choose between doing the thing for maybe your child and decide in that moment to do something for you. Like a good, okay. A good example of this. I don't know if I'm making sense. Is that like, if we get to nap time and I've hardly eaten anything all day, like I haven't even, I don't know. I'm really bad at remembering to eat. I am starving. John John's starting to have a meltdown. Ford's starting to fuss. I can either power through and try to get them both down for a nap and be like, hangry and irritated and impatient and just, you know, not really the mom I want to be. And also it just not be a very good experience for me. Or I can take five minutes, eat a snack. Like it's annoying to listen to them fuss or whatever, but do the thing that I need to do. Have a glass of water, have a snack so that I feel slightly more positive and in a better place to handle putting them down for a nap. Like that's such a small thing, but I just think it's really easy to forget that you matter too. Like you deserve to also find these times to remind yourself that you matter and you are just as important to take care of as well. Um, even though often you're doing what you need to do after you take care of the little people. Okay. And for the grand finale, number 10, something that I have learned that is essential, at least to me, is finding time and creating little rituals that make me feel great. I know I kind of already talked about the idea of micro moments, but this is micro moments that are specifically just for you. So a few are taking two minutes to put on lotion before you go to bed or making sure to always get your favorite coffee creamer. So even if your coffee's cold, it's still as delicious as it can be. Um, one thing that I've done for a long time since I started, actually, I did this when I was even working in an office around 2 PM. I always, or I usually start to feel a little bit tired. It's like the after lunch slump. And I used to make myself a cup of tea and have some sort of little sweet treat snack when I worked in an office. And I carried this into when I worked for myself and I was home alone, just working at my computer all day. And recently I've re-implemented it because often right now, I say often, I, this is like in the last week or two, <laughs> Um, at some point while John John's taking his afternoon, afternoon nap, Ford also will take a nap who knows for how long, but I have basically decided that when they're both asleep, I deserve a little treat. And guys, I cannot tell you how much this little ritual boosts my mood. Like it's such a small thing. I literally 
make a little cup of tea real quick and grab like a couple cookies or whatever we have. It is so nice. It's just, it's like creating these little moments throughout the day where you can kind of check in with yourself. Another one is when I do my one minute mood journal for mothers that I created. It's, it only takes a minute and I don't do it at the same time every day. I just find literally a few seconds whenever I get a chance, the first chance I get in the morning and I fill it out real quick. And it just makes me feel that much more connected to myself and is just a really nice little second to say like, how am I doing? What do I need to do for myself? And also just take a pause to catch my breath and be a little bit more present. And I know that probably sounds a little bit woo-woo, but I just, I really can't overstate how even these little tiny minutes end up, at least for me, making a really big difference. Like, yeah, taking two minutes to put on some lotion before you go to bed isn't going to probably change your life. But if you look at it as like, okay, this is however long it takes me to put on, put lotion on my legs. This is just a few minutes of quiet that I can tune into myself or just give yourself the permission to not be thinking about anything else. Like not be thinking about, okay, what do I need to get at the store tomorrow? What do I need to make sure goes in the laundry? What do I need like to just be? And I've really found that trying to cultivate more mindfulness throughout my day really helps because it's so easy for things to kind of spin out of control. And often the spinning, it it feels like life is spinning out of control because in my own head, things are kind of spinning out of control. I'm feeling stressed. I'm hungry. Oh my gosh. I actually, okay, this is random, but I, (laughs) I heard this, um, this AA quote, it's like one of their posters, uh, from a Brene Brown book and it's, Halt, H-A-L-T, don't get too hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. I laughed because that is so true, right? If you get any to any of those things, hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, you are not your best self. And But the only way to know whether you're getting to that point is by tuning back into yourself, even for just a minute, and asking how am I doing? What do I need? Taking a deep breath. So anyway, I I just love the idea of these little rituals throughout the day. And there are definitely seasons, days, weeks, maybe months where n- no rituals are happening because it's you are like so deeply in survival mode. And I totally get that. But if you're in a place of being able to even just like listen to your favorite song when you get in the car that always puts you in a good mood. Like that would be an awesome little ritual just to help you just feel your most yourself, you know, and take a little bit of the pressure off. So anyway, I hope one of these things maybe resonated with you is something that you want to try or maybe give you a little bit of inspiration to make your life a little bit easier. Um, I really, I don't know a single person who has not struggled in the transition of becoming a mom. And I just, 
I'm so thankful for it as a teacher. It is by far the uh, biggest teacher I've had in my life so far. The second would probably be my brother dying and the grief and everything that accompanied that. And then third is probably marriage. But the the <laughs> the mother of all of them, pun intended, was becoming a mom. And I know I have so much left to learn. I've only been doing this for two years, but these are the things that I've learned so far and I hope that they help you in some way. We'll be back next week with an episode with both Carla and I. She'll be back from vacation and we hope you have a great one. Bye guys.